So, what is it? <clears throat> Nine years? Ten years I've been preaching? Never once have I not brought my sermon with me properly. Uh, so maybe God is saying something. <laughs> uh, I have some of it here on the laptop. We shall see. Um, maybe, just maybe, he's wanting to talk to us through this psalm and wanting to free me up maybe a bit from the notes. We'll see how we get on. As the deer pants the streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Could you bring up my PowerPoint? It's where we get this amazing phrase, this psalm, deep calls to deep. And it seems very fitting with all that we have heard that the thing I wanted to say this morning is there is more. There is more for you. More for you to see. That which has been hidden, you will see. That which has felt far away will be near. There is more for each one of us in our walk and relationship with God. And this psalm uses the most amazing uh, two descriptions of water in it. And I was thinking about water as we start. Um, when's the last time you splashed in a puddle? <laughs> Water's so fun for kids. Have you realised how fun water is for kids? Yesterday, me and the kids in Fine Court. This is from yesterday. This is, which one of my kids? That's Sophie's little muddy knees and wet, soaking wet boots. Um, When's the last time you went jumping in the sea and messing about um, with your clothes on? (laughs) Welcome to being a kid. Um, When's the last time you went out in the rain deliberately to get drenched and to let it just soak you through? Um, Water's such fun for children and yet water, there's been a lot of it recently, hasn't there? Um, Water at its strongest is uncontrollable. It's a a force that can pick up cars and crush buildings like Lego bricks, really. Um, And it's these twin thoughts about water that the psalmist begins to draw us to. Firstly, uh, just how strong and powerful it is. And he begins to speak about the sorrows and the struggles he's going through, feeling like torrents of water. But if we didn't have water, if you were to escape to a land without water or to banish water somehow, if that were possible, from your land quickly, you would be in a barren place, a dry place, a struggling place, a place where no life could live, where no animals could flourish, where plants would die, where your soul or where your body would thirst desperately for water to drink which no it's down there I'll get that in a minute thanks Bex the psalmist starts immediately with this picture of desperation for more of God as the deer pants for water for flowing streams so my soul pants 
for you, God. And he asks the question, when shall I come and appear before God? It's a hugely powerful image. None of us like to see an animal suffer, but the psalmist is seeing here an animal panting, its very being yearning for this stream of water somewhere. Breathing in heavily, breath coming out. Nothing else will do, nothing else will suffice. And so too the psalmist says, you Lord, it's like that. My soul is so desperate for you, God. Not for an idea of God, not for a concept of God, not for a religious understanding of God, but for the living God. To be present with him, to be in communion with him, to know his Love, his grace, his mercy, his touch. When can I go, the psalmist says. Where, when, show me. I want to be with my God. It's clear that the psalmist is really struggling. The psalmist is desperate to be with his God. I'm going to jump around from where I was. When we read the Old Testament, sometimes we forget how different it was to give the Alexander song. For the psalmist, the answer to the question, where is my God? He only knows one answer. My God's in the temple. My God's far away. And I'm not there. And I can't get to him. And we don't know why. We don't know what's going on in his life. But he is far away from the temple And he begins to yearn and remember, I was once there. I was once with the festive throng. I was once with the people worshipping, but now I am far away and I am desperate to be back there. He has tasted what it is like to be in the presence of God. That place in the Old Testament where God promised to meet with his people, the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, this extraordinary place where God said, that is where I will dwell. God wasn't only there, he didn't just put himself in a box, but that was the place where he said, you will meet with me here. I promise that. And the psalmist feels miles away. And he's really struggling because of it. And he tells himself, he tries to reassure himself, to hold on to faith. All that he can say is, why, my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope yet in that God who you know you have met with. One day you will be back there. One day I will get back to the temple. I wonder if you recognise that sense that you're not where you once were. Spiritually, perhaps. I wonder if there's anyone here, and there are times and seasons we all feel this, where you think, do you know what? I have known more of God. I have known more of his goodness. Perhaps when you first became a Christian, you were so filled with the excitement, the joy and the wonder of God. Sharing him with such an excitement and a joy, you were filled to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. You were passionate about Jesus and perhaps now you feel less of that. Perhaps now you think, I want to go back there. I thirst to be back where I was. I want to say just at this point this morning, 
There is more for you. Don't despair, if that's you this morning. And I say that, not in wild faith and hope, but I say that in utter trust in Jesus, in his goodness, there is more for you. If you're wondering, will I ever, I want to say to you, yes. And even this morning, you can press in deeper to the things of God. You can ask God to fill you afresh. And you can come and meet with him again. He can start, my prayer is, and has been this week, that he will start something, well, he's been up to stuff already in this service, in you, that will start a new season of blessing and intimacy. Of knowing his grace and his love in your life, in this season. Not that you would just look back and think, well, that was then, like it's run out of batteries. That's not what God does. God gives his grace and his grace and his grace new his mercy new every morning. His love everlasting. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. The invitation is there this morning, maybe for you, to know that there is more. And that can start today. This morning can be the moment that things shift and change. Where the eyes are opened again and your heart is brought close to him. You see, when times are tough, like we heard and like we were told, we don't look downwards, we don't look inwards, we look upwards to the Lord, don't we? We look to Jesus, we turn our eyes upon him in our times of desperate thirst. But the other way that the psalmist describes his predicament in this psalm is equally as powerful, it's an extraordinary Extraordinary image. It's a time so difficult the psalmist is going through that this is how his troubles feel to him. Verse 7, he describes it like this. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's an extraordinary piece of text. It has been understood in various ways, but the first, the most obvious way of understanding this is that he is stood by a roaring waterfall and the noise is overpowering. And it is as if the waters, the depth of the waters above, are calling to the depth of the waters below, the depths of the chaotic, turbulent, uncontrolled waters below are calling to the waters above and in that place where they meet there is turbulence, it is uncontrolled, it is chaos, it is wave after wave after wave, relentless and he says that's how it feels for me right now. That's the trouble I feel I'm in. That's what life feels like and I wonder if you've ever felt that as well. Where it seems like one storm follows another storm follows another What was the name? Kiara, was it the first one? Then Dennis, then George. Storm after storm after storm, something like that. We've had a few of them, haven't we, this month? Three in a month. And life can feel like that too. But there is hope here, the psalmist finds, in the deluge. And the first way he finds hope is he recognises First of all, that no matter how huge this deluge is that he is facing, God's bigger. God's still on his throne, as we started the service thinking about. 
He turns around and he says to the Lord, they are your waterfalls, ultimately. You may not have caused them, but the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He is faithful. He is my friend. They are your waterfalls, your waters, your breakers. You may not be forcing me through these. They may not have come from you, but ultimately you're in charge. And I will look to you, Lord. You are bigger than this that I am going through. But then I want to say to you, there's another way of understanding this entire verse, this deep cause to deep and these waterfalls, because there is an entirely different type of waterfall, isn't there? There is an entirely different limitless torrent, limitless, powerful force, and it's the grace and the mercy and it's the love of God. And in the very next verse, he says... By day the Lord directs his love and at night his song is with me. There is a force far greater than the struggles and the troubles that hit us and hit us and hit us and that is the mercy that never fails, the grace that is always sufficient, the love of God that sweeps over you and sweeps over you and will never stop sweeping over you for the whole of your duration on this earth until you are with the Lord in person in heaven. And for me this week, it's not been an easy week. I've struggled this week in all sorts of ways and it has just blessed me when I felt like I'm hitting a torrent of difficulties to stop and turn my mind and switch that round in my mind and say, no, Lord, I sit under the shower of your love instead. I sit under the torrent of your grace and that has done so much for me this week. Just said, go on, Lord, go on, smash it all over me. I will stand under it and I will get soaking wet like a kid, standing and dancing in the rain, jumping in the puddles. Lord, I need that. And Lord, it's there. Thank you, Lord, that it is there. But for the psalmist, he holds on tight to the fact that God is bigger. He knows the love of the Lord. But ultimately, the psalm ends in him desperate for more. The psalm ends in him being unsatisfied. Whatever it is that's driven him from the temple, he longs to be back there. He ends up just saying, I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Not right now, but I will yet. The day is coming. Friends, It ends with a desperate, desperate thirst and a hope. And I want to say something to you this morning and I hope you hear what I'm saying. But I want to suggest to you that the one that the psalmist was thirsting after was Jesus. He didn't know it then. We're talking 500 years, maybe a thousand years before Jesus came. But the one he was thirsting after was coming and would come. The one he was thirsting after was the one who not only is bigger than any storms, but when he says, peace be still, the storm stops. The one he was thirsting after is the one who says, I'm not in a temple. I'm not stuck there. You are now my temple and I will fill you with my presence, my Holy Spirit. 
The one he was thirsting after was the one who gave up everything for him or would give up everything for him and go to that cross because he loved him so much so that he might defeat the power of darkness and despair that tries to break into our lives so often. He was thirsty for Jesus more than anything else. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And the thundering reply of Jesus comes loud and clear. Hear it. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, what rivers of living water will flow from within them? You don't need to go and find the temple. Jesus is present and he says, come to me and drink if you are thirsty this morning. You see, the Old Testament sets up the question and Jesus is the answer. It shows us the problem and Jesus is the solution. Jesus said to the teachers of the law at the time, you go to the scriptures thinking you can get eternal life there, but you refuse to come to me and receive life. It is Jesus we turn to. And I want to say to you this morning, it is Jesus that this world is thirsting after. Beneath all the paraphernalia, the busyness, the cumber, the stress of this life, people are thirsty. They are thirsting for truth. They are thirsting for meaning. They are thirsting for love. They are thirsting for inclusion and acceptance. They are thirsting for hope. They are thirsting, whether they realise it or not, for Jesus. You see, every single one of us was made to thirst after God. Deep calls to deep within us. The deep things within us long for the deep things of God. This is how we are made. You were made, whoever you are this morning, to be in deep communion with the God who made you and loves you. To know his love and his goodness. To know his encouragement and his blessing each and every day of your life. And until you turn to Jesus or turn back to him again this morning or invite him again to fill you to overflowing you will only be thirsty like a parched land, like a dry desert. He is the water. We can fill it with all sorts of stuff, consumerism. We can fill it with false spiritualities. We can fill it with self-help, but it's vacuous unless it has Jesus, the author of life. And Jesus says to us this morning, there is more. Jesus says to all of us, this morning, I have more for you. Friends, there is a more where we wake up in the morning in his presence. There is a more where we rest down and turn our hearts towards him as the last thing we do as we go to sleep. There is a life we can live where we are listening and hearing the voice of Jesus in our workplace, in our homes, as dads, as mums, as grandparents, aunties and uncles, friends and neighbours, we are hearing his heart. I was um, in a crash this week. Someone crashed up the back of me on a roundabout and my immediate reaction was fury. 
I'm like, for goodness sake. And immediately, I just heard the Lord say, and grace, and love. Go and bless them. Go and bless them. And so I did. I got out of the car, went, how are you doing? Are you all right? And the last thing I said to him was, you take care and God bless you. And off he went. His fault, not mine. But I heard God's voice. I want more of that, if I'm honest. I need more of that. I need more of Jesus in me. I need more of his Holy Spirit at work within me. Jesus said he only did the things he heard the Father say. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit. And it can be the same for you. It can be the same for me. I was talking to, to Amelie. And she no, she came into my room. She burst in. She said, Dad, I've got a question about the Bible. And I was working. I went, I should probably stop working for that one. And, uh, you know, that's probably good enough for me to actually look over my laptop. Um, she said, how can we hear from God? And I decided to sign her the answer. I don't know why, um, just because I did. And I pointed to a Bible. And she said, ah, the Bible. I said, yeah. And I said, and? I said, two things. One, Bible. She went, okay. I said, two. Like that. She went, a dove in our hearts. And I went, watch. Jesus, a dove in our hearts. And that's how we can hear from the Lord. Jesus comes to live within us. Streams of living water flow in us and out from us. He fills us for our sake and he overflows from us for the sake of this world, a world that is thirsty. This is how we can hear from the Lord. This is how we are called to live our lives. This is how we as a church are called to be filled to overflowing with the presence of Jesus. But it starts by realising there is more and turning to him and asking and saying, Lord, I want that more, but I am more mindful of you, more of your gifts, more of your Holy Spirit at work, more of your heart, more of your guidance, more of your love. And I just want to invite you this morning, we'll finish with this song. Come Lord Jesus, I invite you, I can't do this for you, But if you are thirsty this morning and you know it, I want to say to you, there is only one source of life-giving water. And it's Jesus. Start by realising, can I invite the band back up? Thank you guys. Start by realising that you are more loved than you could ever know. He couldn't love you more. He couldn't love you less. He loves you exactly as you are and who you are. And he wants you to know more of him. He wants you to have your eyes open to more of the things that he has for you. He wants your heart to be more tender and shaped by him. He wants you to have the love and compassion of him. He wants to fill you so that you might overflow, so that you might become a water carrier to a thirsty world. You can't bring living water to the world unless you are filled to overflowing yourself, unless you carry living water yourself. So I just want to invite you to remain seated for a moment and I just want to invite all of us off the back of all God's been saying in this service of who he is to turn your eyes to him to believe that he is the promise keeper And to know that he has more for you. How much more, Jesus said.
Will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who are? So I just invite you. I can't do this for you. I can't make you want Jesus or more of him. But if you have that thirst in you, I have a thirst for more. Then let's just turn our hearts to him. And in the quiet, as we sing this song, say, Lord, as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs after you. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come fill me to overflowing. Let this be the first day of a new season of more, more of you in my life.